0: Session
1: with Dr. Good evening and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadid Holokwi. I'm your host, Dr. Fadid Holokwi, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. Studio number 310441. 0555 but I do have a guest tonight who I'll introduce to you shortly so if you do call I hope that you will call for her in the topic that we are talking about but before I do introduce her I did want to share a few words um, on what most people of Iranian background or descent are thinking about today which was Iran's performance in the World Cup and like many of you out there I was watching on the edge of my seat and was so excited and can't believe that iran got so close to actually winning the group when it included spain and portugal and even morocco who's a very strong team Um, but that was incredible and of course heartbreaking at the end but we are very proud of the team and what they accomplished and a young team so hopefully future world cups we can fare even better so congratulations team medley actually i liked hearing the Uh, announcers on the american station they kept saying team melly but uh they really did a great job uh, and we're proud of them and the fight they put and how close they got and really to get four points in that group was incredible so very proud of them and um we hope to see them in the next world cup go even further and make us even more proud but let me introduce my guest tonight. I've had her on the show several times, so listeners might be familiar with Dr. Jennifer Galvin, but I'll introduce you to her again. She is a licensed clinical psychologist in private practice in Woodland Hills. She received her Bachelor of Arts from San Diego State University, where she majored in psychology, and then she earned a Master of Arts in Clinical Psychology and a PhD in Clinical Psychology from Alliant International University. That's actually where we met and Uh, completed our PhDs together. She also obtained advanced clinical training in psychoanalytic psychotherapy at the new Center for Psychoanalysis, where she earned a certificate in psychoanalytic psychotherapy. And her office number is 818-538-5236. Dr. Galvin, thank you for joining me today.
0: Thanks for having me. I always enjoy being here and talking about very important topics.
1: Yes, and today um, we are talking about a very important and serious topic and one that I regularly cover on this show because I think it is so important, and that is suicide. Um, Suicide is one of those very important things that unfortunately uh, is a big taboo and has a lot of stigmas attached to it, and it's one of those things that people think they shouldn't talk about or there's even misconceptions about if you talk about it, it can become more likely. Or we should avoid talking about it. Things that we will cover today, and especially with the recent suicides of Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade, which um, shocked a lot of people and surprised people and made people very upset. We saw much more media coverage about suicide. Which of course it's very unfortunate that those two individuals uh, took their own lives, um, but it did bring about some awareness or even more awareness to something that it's that is affecting all people all the time because it doesn't discriminate between any sex or gender or ethnicity or socioeconomic status. It can affect anyone, and it is unfortunately a real thing that we have to deal with, and the reason why we want to talk about it today is to make it even more real and realize that it's not going to go away by not talking about it, we need to make it easier to have conversations on this topic, and so we're hoping to facilitate that a bit today in, in, a, in what we talk about. So, Dr. Jennifer Galvin, um, we're going to be talking about suicide, and people can call in three one zero four four one zero five 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 if they have thoughts or questions about the topic that they wanted to mention. Um, but maybe starting us off, I don't. Did you want to share? Yeah, I was just going to yeah.
0: say. You know, um, it has been a popular thing that has come up in the media, unfortunately, because of what's happened. However, this is something so unfortunately, again, so common and happens every day to a lot of people. And um, it should be an ongoing conversation or an open discussion because people are struggling with this on a daily basis. Even people that you would never imagine are struggling with this people Mm -hmm. close to us, um, co-workers, Um, kids, all all sorts of people. So it's really important that even when the media coverage dies down and that slows down, that we keep up our end of it and continue the conversation and the openness because, you know, all sorts of people are struggling with this, not just celebrities or people that are well-known.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a great point because Um, Yeah, when something like this happens, two suicides in a short period of time from two high-profile individuals, there's a lot of coverage. But in all likelihood, that does go away or slow down, and we want to make sure that the conversations continue, that it doesn't stop. And yes, of course, it's heartbreaking that these two people ended their lives, but we know that it's heartbreaking that it's happening every day to everyday people as well.
0: Yeah, it makes us hypersensitive for a short period of time. Um, And then we may end up going back to our old patterns and overlooking things or not knowing how to deal with things. So Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that out of tonight's hour, we can get some key points that stick with everyone on how to address this really serious topic.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Which we'll talk about. And some of our focus will be on talking about suicide with children, both about what they hear about suicide and also they themselves Dealing with suicide, whether it's friends or their own suicidal thinking or uh, plans, if it gets to that point. So that's going to be a primary focus, but we'll talk about suicide in general. Maybe you could uh, start us off with some statistics about suicide.
0: Sure. So as I was doing some research on the statistics for suicide, I was even shocked Mm to come up to see some of these numbers that um, were coming up. And uh, it's really sad and really unfortunate, but it's reported that every day 105 people die from suicide and that every 12 minutes someone commits suicide. So that was shocking to me. Mm -hmm. Um, This goes to show how many people are actually struggling with this and that this is something that I think is too commonly overlooked and not most people don't know how to address it or talk about it, and so it just slips under the radar until yeah. something really traumatic happens.
1: Especially for uh, young people, it's a very, uh, one of the highest causes, right?
0: Yeah, so it's the second leading cause of death for youth ages 10 to 24, wow. and about 18% of high school students admit to thinking about suicide, and so those are, the 18% are the ones that openly will admit it. Mm-hmm. However, there's, I'm sure a significant number that have passive thoughts of suicide um, that probably just didn't want to say that they have that. I Mm -hmm. think also sometimes people can't really differentiate between what the passive thoughts of suicide may look like and will think, oh, I'm not suicidal because I don't actually want to kill myself. But you can have suicidal thoughts that are really passive, like, you know, I just wonder what it would be like if I'm not here anymore, Or what's the point? What's the purpose in me being here? Even something like that could be considered a suicidal thought to some degree. And Mm -hmm. it's important to take those seriously and into consideration and not swept under the rug.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, you mentioned suicidal thoughts and like anything, there's a big range as far as what we mean when we talk about suicidal thinking or thoughts of suicide. And truth be told, most people at some point in their life will have a thought of suicide at some degree, whether it's the passive type, which you talked about, which we might get into a little bit more, or a more serious one. It's something that almost everyone will have experienced, or if not everyone, definitely someone you're very close to. Because these thoughts come to our mind when things get difficult, when you're feeling depressed, stressed, overwhelmed. Sometimes they can come to you. Anxious. Exactly. These thoughts will, will come to you. And the reason why I'm emphasizing that is for a few reasons. One is that if you have those thoughts, you're definitely not alone or it's nothing to be ashamed of or something really bad that only you're experiencing. It's very, very common. And also so that we can talk about it because we should realize that it's something that everyone is going through. It's just like mental health issues in general, where the stigma makes it where people think, well, I'm the only one who's this anxious or this depressed or going through this, so I should hide it from people. But unfortunately, we don't realize everyone else is dealing with their own things too. And it'd be much better if we talked about it. Thoughts of suicide in a way are similar in that it's much, much more common than most people would think. And so we have to Make it something that's okay to talk about. It doesn't need to be a taboo.
0: Yeah, of course, there's a huge stigma attached to suicide or suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. But as you mentioned, like most things, feelings of depression, feelings of anxiety, all of these feelings and thoughts are normal. And the more we can talk about that and the more that we can be open and honest about it, the more comfort we can find Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of similarity that lies amongst us. And everyone knows what it feels like to feel bad. Everyone knows what it feels like to be overwhelmed. Everyone has moments where they just want to escape in their own way. And so talking about it will gather support and it'll bring people together to not feel so lonely Mm -hmm. and so different and outcasted from having these thoughts. Unfortunately, we don't talk about it. Nobody really brings it up. People are scared to bring it up. People are worried about planting ideas. Um, you know, they don't know how to bring it up. They don't know what to say. And that goes on both ways, whether mm-hmm. you're concerned and you don't know what to say or whether you're the one having the the suicidal thoughts you don't right. know what to how to approach the situation and what to say but it's really really important that we talk about it even if you don't talk about it in the best way just talking about it in general is always better than avoiding it
1: right and that's one of the things we're going to talk about is that as parents especially but even whoever it is as a friend loved one you want to make some bridges that i like to say of certain topics that you can talk about And suicide is one of those that should be okay to be talked about. And the only way you can make it okay, especially as a parent, is to introduce it yourself very often. Your child might not bring it up. And we'll talk about ways that you can do that. But we want to enter, we want that to enter into the topics that can be covered. Because in a lot of families, that's a topic that cannot be brought up no matter what. And you should avoid it. And even if you do bring it up, it's, as you said, swept under the rug or we deny it or avoid it because we don't know what to do. It makes us anxious. We feel overwhelmed. And we feel like the easiest thing to do is to pretend like it didn't happen or, oh, it's just a phase or a comment. They said they don't mean it. But as we'll get to, you want to always take it seriously. But what's something we brought up that I want to also mention. So there is things like passive suicidal ideation, which could be things like, I wish I died or maybe I wonder what it would be like if I died or I don't know if I can take this anymore. So there isn't actually an active element to it where someone's thinking, this is what I want to do to right. take my own life.
0: I hope I don't wake up tomorrow. Right. Yeah. You know, what? What? it's better. Everyone's better off if I'm not here. Mm-hmm. Those are really common ones that you would hear. And as I mentioned earlier, they should be taken just as seriously as someone saying, I want to kill myself by shooting myself in the head, it's really no different because they all resemble a layer of having this deep, dark sadness and these suicidal thoughts, and they should all be addressed in the same way. Um, It's important to take it all into consideration, to not overreact or underreact, but to really just be with the person that's sharing this and to help understand where their suffering is coming from. And Mm -hmm. listen and help guide them in the right way.
1: Right. And I think, you know, something related to what you're bringing, you you mentioned is you don't have to be worried about planting the idea of suicide into someone's head. That's a big reason why people avoid talking about it. Even uh, I'm sure you might remember, I remember as a therapist in training, they would tell us that, that don't be afraid to bring it up. And I would feel some anxiety very early on when I was seeing my first clients to bring up that topic because you do worry well if they say yes, what am I going to do? Or if I say they might feel uncomfortable, it's just an uncomfortable thing for most people to talk about. But they made it very clear to us that you're not going to plant this idea into someone's head. If someone is very depressed or overwhelmed or stressed, that idea will come to them or it's something that they have. And it can
0: be relieving even to have someone else say it for you Mm -hmm. or to acknowledge that because... Even if you have those feelings, that's not going to be the first thing that you want to open up with and talk about openly. So if somebody else actually directly asks you the question, there can actually be some relief in having that conversation open up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, what I always say is if you ask someone about if they're feeling suicidal or not, um, a few things can happen. One is, let's say they're not. And maybe at worst, they kind of laugh or they joke, I can't believe you thought I was that depressed or that down. I'm okay. Um, And that's fine. Nothing's happened. But even more important than that is what you've also done, as I was saying before, is you've created a bridge between you and that person that this is a topic you can talk to me about. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid of this topic. If you are ever feeling that way you do know you can talk to me and that's a really important thing that someone is oh this guy's or this girl's not afraid to talk about that my mom or my dad is not afraid for me to mention that if it ever does become an issue for me in my life and of course the other alternative is they actually are suicidal and you potentially could be saving their life because just because someone has um, decided to even take their own life you can stop them. There can't be help and intervention. It doesn't mean they definitely will take their life. So um, I'm here with Dr. Jennifer Galvin, and we we're talking about the very important topic of suicide to hopefully have our own conversation here on the air to make it more likely that people at home we'll have these conversations about suicide. And of course, you can join the conversation by calling in 310 441 You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delaqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm joined again by Dr. Jennifer Galvin. We were talking about suicide. And uh, we wanted to, you know, you wanted to share some signs that parents could maybe look out for with their kids. Now, one thing I want to make very clear, and I'm sure you'll also make this clear, is that there's no recipe that we for sure know your child is or is not. And kids can express a lot of things in a lot of different ways. So we don't want to, on one hand, alarm parents that if you see anything close to any of these things, your child is definitely suicidal. But we also don't want parents to ignore the signs of mental health issues because, of course, suicide is an extreme uh, action taken related to mental health issues, emotions, and things like that. So uh, these are things to think about in general. Even if your child is not suicidal and they're experiencing these things, you want to take it seriously. So what might be some signs that parents should definitely look out for or you think is important for parents to be aware of?
0: So some of the most obvious ones would be if your child is talking about wanting to die Mm -hmm. or even says, I want to kill myself that's an obvious sign that they are thinking about suicide. Um, if you see that they're looking for a way to kill themselves, so they might have more interest in a firearm all of a sudden that you've had in the home for years, if you see that they've accumulated some medication in some part of the home for some reason, if find information on their laptop about them googling things like how to kill themselves, those would be definitely some signs to be aware of. Um, a lot of these symptoms are very common to feelings of depression. And as we talked about over the break, some of it can even overlap with some common behaviors or feelings of adolescence. Mm-hmm. So talking about feeling hopeless or having no purpose, again, doesn't necessarily mean that they're suicidal, but definitely something to consider. If the child is feeling like they have no purpose here on earth, they don't know why they're here. Um, they wish they weren't here. Those are definitely things to um, keep in mind talking about feeling trapped or being in unbearable pain it shows the level of suffering that they're in and that they feel stuck they, ha- they can't come up with any solutions mm-hmm. any alternatives to get them out of their pain
1: right which is and those are especially important because suicide you know in a way it's like a last resort when people right. feel hopelessness is a big indicator of Suicide are very much related to it. So when you hear those kinds of things, like you said, feeling trapped, feeling stuck, feeling like they can't handle it anymore. There's
0: no option left. Right.
1: They feel like there's no other option. That's when suicide unfortunately seems like the only option or the best option because the pain is unbearable and they see no hope of making it better or changing it. So those those words that you said, those are key ones to to listen out for variants of that that hopelessness or that feeling stuck is very important to to pay attention
0: to and sometimes it can be irrational. So from the parent's perspective, it's this there's still options. We haven't tried medication. We haven't tried a therapist. We haven't tried all these things. But in their mind it feels like there's no hope. Mm -hmm. It feels like nothing's gonna help. No one's gonna understand or I've done this before, or so and so did this before. It didn't help. No one will understand my level of suffering and pain. So, in their minds, it feels like there's no option. That's not that a great in point. actuality, there yeah. is not. Well,
1: because I mean, you know, uh, someone like you and me probably would believe suicide is not the right choice, no matter what, essentially. Right. So, we don't think it's the right choice, but that's how they feel. I think that's a really good. Uh, point because a parent might think, oh, some kids are teasing her at school or, you know, it's just some teasing. It happens to everyone or it's not that mm-hmm. big of a deal or things can change or they will change. And this is where empathy and trying to put yourself in someone else's shoes is important where, like you said, to them, it could feel unbearable. You might not even think it's a big deal or you might think who cares or it's going to change or, oh, you're going to get older and not care about any mm-hmm. of these things. But you have to put yourself in in their shoes and realize, okay, for them, it's feeling unbearable. And that's what matters is their experience because they're the one that would feel like they can't go on.
0: It's important to be conscious of our own reactions Mm because I think as parents, um, or even if you're not a parent, just being a friend or a family member, we want to rationalize the situation as a way of protecting ourselves as well. And so we'll come up with all sorts of solutions and answers Mm -hmm. and you know, we'll think in a rational way, but we have to understand what they're going through. So, right. really put yourself in their shoes. And if they're telling you that the pain is un- unbearable, if their suffering is never ending, then we really have to listen to that instead of rationalize. Yeah.
1: And, but you know, a, a key word there was listen to. So, you know, you could try to put yourself in someone's shoes, but you really will never be able to. The best thing you could do is to ask them how they're doing and what's going on and, and let believe them tell them it. and believe them. And yeah. that's the big part that I think we wanted to get into next. Um, but yeah, you got to ask them. And this is where when we say believe them, it means that if they bring up suicide in any way, you take it seriously every time. Mm-hmm. And I always say, it doesn't mean you call 911 immediately. That's not what I mean by take it seriously, but that you don't ignore it. You talk about it. You know, you say, if they said, oh, I just want to kill myself as they stormed off into the room and closed their door. You don't just say, oh, she was just mad or he was just angry. You actually, maybe when things actually, it's probably better when they've calmed down, let them know, I'm concerned that you just, you know, you said that and and I don't know if you just said it in the moment, but I'm concerned that you brought that up. It's
0: really important, like you're saying with this topic, to not, as I mentioned earlier, not overreact or underreact. Mm -hmm. Um, If you overreact, it'll close off any future communication with the person. And if you underreact, then the person may feel like, you're not taking them seriously, um, or, you know, you're you're really not listening and you're not being with them. So any thoughts or talk of suicide should always be revisited. And that's, you know, you have to keep in mind that suicide is an attempt to solve a problem that seems impossible to solve in any other way. So you have to ask about the problem, that's going on that created the suicidal thoughts and mm-hmm. you really want to keep a balance with your reaction to not overreact and not underreact in these situations.
1: I think that's, and that's a great point, obviously just in general and how you in, in empathizing with your child. Um, because, you know, some parents think I'm going to show them I care by reacting so much. you know, they, they fall and you go, you know, overreacted and Persians are actually very good at this. Mm-hmm. We can be very histrionic so they can overreact and we think it's showing how much we care, but if you react so strongly, it could be overwhelming for the child though, where they think, I'm a burden on you, or I can't right. handle your reaction, so I don't want to show you things anymore. And then I don't they have want to, to take care
0: of you as well. Exactly. And the next one I was going to mention is ta- if the person, the child's talking about being a burden. Mm-hmm. So if they feel like they're causing too much pain, suffering, stress, anxiety for their parent, right. they're not going to come out and say, by the way, I'm having thoughts of killing myself mm-hmm. um, because they don't want to add to the burden. So
1: Yeah, that's a great point, and another reason why parents... You have to make sure you're taking care of yourself emotionally because your kids, they're paying attention. You might think, you know, a lot of parents say, oh, they don't know that I stress over this or that I worry about them about this. Like, no, they pick up on it, even if you don't explicitly state it, but especially if you do. And yeah, you know, unfortunately, one of the reasons why people get to that point is they feel like, you know, the people around me that I love, they'd be better off without me. Mm -hmm. And so if they feel like they're a burden on you you know, mom and dad stress so much about me, like they're getting sick, they're getting this, they're getting that, they'd probably be better off without me. Uh, or unfortunately. the other
0: things I've heard is them say, you know, it's better if I just stay home in bed and not go with them because my mood will ruin their day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My mood will mess everything up for them. So there's this constant consideration of what they, how they will impact others and how they'll ruin everything and how they'll burden yeah. them. And so they'd rather just withdraw and exclude themselves from family situations, friends, parties, Mm -hmm. everything, so that they're not a burden. Which
1: could contribute further to their depression or whatever um, they're going through. And I think, you know, this to me is, obviously we're talking about how uncomfortable it is for people to talk about suicide, which um, is very common. But if we take that even a step further, you know, further back in a way... People can have such a hard time just with the negative emotions in general, like sadness and anger, and they can have very little tolerance, first for their own, which is why they act this way with their kids, but then for their kids' emotions. So Mm. their kids are sad and they can, oh, don't be in a bad mood. You should not be sad or you should be happy, you know, and try to pressure their kids into being happy because they can't tolerate, one, the negative emotions, and two, the implication they have in their own head that if you're sad, I'm somehow a bad mom or dad. Right. So they don't give their kids the space to even have those sad feelings. So they hide even more than just suicide. They hide even when it's sad. And so that's why it's important for parents to realize your kids are supposed to feel sad. Sometimes they're going to feel all sorts of feelings. Your job isn't to make them feel something. It's actually to empathize and validate whatever it is they're feeling and to be there with them with whatever they're feeling. So if you make them feel like your their sadness is so overwhelming for you, well, of course, you're not going to come to you when it becomes really bad. And that's the scary thought.
0: Right, exactly. And along with that, they might feel like if they're not there, it'll help you. Mm
1: -hmm. Unfortunately. And that relates to this other idea where people unfortunately will say, oh, so-and-so is so selfish to take their own life. They have a kid or they have this or they have family. And I think it's so heartbreaking um, when they say that. And yes, of course, we know that suicide affects so many people around the person. Uh, Kevin Hines, who was on the show a couple years ago, who he tried to take his own life jumping off of the Golden Gate Bridge, but thankfully did not die, and now goes around the world uh, talking about suicide and doing incredible work. But he was he's worked on this movie, and I think it's actually out now, called The Ripple Effect, basically talking about how one suicide, there's like a ripple effect, and it affects so many people. So absolutely, suicide does affect many people who are close to that person. But we have to understand that the person is feeling so down, is feeling in such a dark place. Their brain, you know, you might read something that kind of explains this better later on, but their brain is in such a bad place that suicide actually seems like a good option. They actually feel like, I'm hurting people around me. They'll be better off without me. They're not doing it in a selfish way to take themselves away from people. And unfortunately, that further adds a stigma to suicide that these people are being selfish. Yeah, they're not trying to inflict
0: pain on their loved ones. They're trying to just remove their own pain. Yeah,
1: and they're trying to maybe, they think, remove the burden from other people, unfortunately. And so it's heartbreaking. But I think that notion of calling the person selfish I think um, it goes, unfortunately, a long way in adding to the stigma.
0: Right, right. Yes. So continuing on with some of the signs, I'll just go through the rest quickly. Um, If you notice an increased use of drugs and alcohol, um, anxiety. Anxiety is a huge one. I think it's often overlooked because oftentimes we associate depression and depressive symptoms with suicide. Mm -hmm. But I think anxiety has a huge role as well. So anxiety and panic attacks can become really debilitating and can be overwhelming and stressful and it can lead people to just not just want to get away from it. Um, yeah. so that's something to keep in mind, anxiety, agitation, reckless behaviors, sleeping too much or too little, um, uh, withdrawing, isolating mm-hmm. themselves, withdrawing, not like I mentioned, not going out, not spending time with family, not being with friends, um, showing rage or talking about seeking revenge, having mood swings. So, you know, the list goes on, but that's just some of the most important prominent signs to keep an eye out for. And again, this doesn't necessarily mean that the person will commit suicide, but just things to keep an eye out for and open a discussion around so Mm -hmm. that if that thought is there and if that exists, there can be an open communication around it hopefully help the person find another option besides suicide
1: and i think you know what's important as you're saying like anxiety can be related there's so many things and also sometimes people have misconceptions of what mental illness looks like so they think if someone's depressed or if they're telling jokes and laughing they can't be depressed right which is so not the case i remember seeing videos and a heartbreaking of chester bennington the lead singer of um, lincoln park who uh, took his own life. Robin it about Williams, too. yeah, and Robin Williams too. I saw videos of him just shortly before though Chester had taken his life, laughing and joking with his family. So and I hear some parents will say that, like, what if your child is depressed? Say, oh no, he laughs a lot or he tells jokes, and saying jokes sometimes doesn't mean much. Or like you said, Robin Williams or many comedians are actually depressed at times or dealing with a lot of mental health issues. So just because someone is looking okay in a moment. Depression doesn't mean 100% of the time they're sad.
0: So an actual quote that I read from Robin Williams recently about this, um, I'm going to read to you guys because I think it's really important. He said, I think the saddest people always try their hardest to make people happy because they know what it feels like to feel absolutely worthless and they Mm -hmm. don't want anybody else to feel like that. Mm -hmm. So again, and related to what you're saying, you know, it's really, really sad, but it's true. The laughing, the jokes, the comedy, none of those are indicators of right. the person's mental health.
1: And if anything, sometimes when it's to that extent, it could be that they're compensating for something in a way like what he's saying, Right. Or they don't want to show you their sadness, so they're doing that, or they don't want anyone else to feel as sad as they're feeling. So, you know, these things, you have to really pay close attention. And this is why when we say, you know, listening to your kids isn't just about hearing their words, it's watching their actions, their behavior, so many things. You can't just rely on a few um, sources and that's something, you know, to be aware of. So if you're thinking or worried about your child being suicidal, don't be afraid to bring up that conversation. And we might talk a bit after the break about how to introduce this topic, because I think A lot of parents are petrified. They're so scared of how to bring this up, and that's one of the reasons why they don't bring it up. So we'll talk a bit about that after the break with my guest, clinical psychologist, Dr. Jennifer Galvin. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delaqui. We'll be right back. Uh, Welcome (laughs) back. Studio number Mm 310-441-0555. I'm joined by Jennifer Galvin, clinical psychologist. We are talking about suicide. And, you know, we've talked a lot about... Suicide, but now we want to talk about talking about suicide with your kids because, like we said earlier, one of the reasons why parents avoid it just like why we avoid a lot of taboo topics is because we get uncomfortable about talking about it and we don't know if we know how to talk about it. So uh, I think you have some pointers on how parents can prepare and then kind of execute those conversations. So yeah,
0: earlier when you were talking about grad school and how we were taught to ask these questions directly and how uncomfortable it was, I think a lot of people can relate to that. The biggest thing that I learned from that situation in grad school was to be direct and clear and to use the words Mm -hmm. and so you definitely don't want to ask questions like you're not thinking about killing yourself are you Mm -hmm. Um, because that's already implying the answer that you want to hear and it doesn't leave a lot of room for the child to be open and honest and share their feelings so it's really really important and I know I keep emphasizing the importance of being direct but it truly is really imperative that we're direct and we ask questions like are you thinking about suicide? Are you thinking right. about killing yourself? It, it sounds really harsh and it's difficult for us to say, but another piece to that is think about what you want to say to your child and rehearse it mm-hmm. so that it's not so uncomfortable when it comes to the time when you're going to have this conversation. If you, you know, in the beginning of grad school, when we would say it, it was definitely more uncomfortable than it is this many years later. And we've said it so many times that it's become the norm. Mm-hmm. And that's the place that you want to get to, being really direct. Uh, What do you think about suicide? Is it something that your friends talk about? Have you ever thought about suicide? Have your friends thought about suicide? I mean, just waiting for their response and being direct is really, really important.
1: And I think, you know, something you said, it's important to... Prepare, think about it, even, you know, you can look up things online or hear some of the things that we're saying might, you know, give you some guidance, but recognize that it's going to be an uncomfortable conversation no matter what. And I say that so you don't think, even I'll say for me, with clients still, it's a different topic than if I say, do you have any siblings? I don't feel... You know, there's a little more anxiety when you bring up suicide because it is more significant. Yes, it's much more comfortable than it was for me ten years ago, but it's still something that we know it's not gonna be easy conversation. So be ready for that. And I think something you told me about before we went on the air was how actually you could even mention that in the conversation to say this is actually, you know, even for me a hard conversation to have. And that could in a way break the ice and make it okay for them to be uncomfortable with it too, and that's okay.
0: Yeah, being open and honest about how you're feeling again, just leaves room for them to be open and honest about how they're feeling. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can say, this is a hard subject for me to talk about. You know, I never thought this was something I'd be talking to you about, but I think it's really important. Um, Acknowledge your discomfort. That way you give your child permission to also acknowledge his or her discomfort. Right.
1: Um, Yeah. And I think parents think sometimes they have to be knowledgeable about everything, know every answer, be infinitely and wise about everything. But, you know, I think it's very okay to let kids know, you know, I don't know about this much or I'm not sure about this, but I want to talk to you about it or I don't have all the answers, but I thought we should at least be able to talk about it. And
0: also another major aspect is showing your vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, that just shows them that it's okay. They don't have to be perfect. They can be vulnerable as well. Right. Um, You know, remember that talking about death is always frightening in any way, shape or form. And so, like you said, it's never going to be a comfortable conversation. Mm -hmm. Open, yes, but never is it going to be a comfortable, happy discussion to have.
1: Exactly. You know, and and speaking of, you know, uncomfortable conversations, they are never going to be easy, but timing is also very important.
0: Right. So timing is everything. Um, You know, Think about when it would be a good time and a good opportunity to bring this topic up because obviously a person's having friends over, they're, you know, watching a movie, not a great time, maybe a car ride time when you're alone, even, you know, something unfortunate that comes up in the media that draws attention could be a good opportunity to bring mm. up the topic.
1: Right. And I think that's very important. in Parents, you know, especially because you're so uncomfortable about this conversation, you might just want to get it over with. So you might have it at the wrong time, or you might just want to say your piece and say, well, I talked about it. But what you want to make sure you're having, and I always emphasize this to parents, not just about suicide, but even about much less serious topics, is you want to have a conversation a dialogue, not a monologue. So if you're just talking to them, that's not a conversation. And so if you see that's happening, recognize that, okay, maybe they're not ready to engage. Maybe it's not the right time. And don't consider that conversation having been had. Consider, okay, I opened it up, let them know. And you can even say, maybe we can talk about this another time, or would there be another time better for you? But make sure it's not just a one-sided conversation.
0: Yeah. Like it's also important to keep some leave some space for them Mm -hmm. to be able to respond Mm -hmm. because sometimes this becomes very didactic and Mm -hmm. you know we we're standing there telling them what to do or what we think or things like that and we don't leave a lot of room for them to respond ask questions consider their perspective so another piece to this is that it's really important to listen to what your child has to say about it um You know, let them ask questions, hear their worries, listen to their concerns, you know, respond to what they offer you, take it in and Mm -hmm. digest it and respond back so that there's a dialogue and a conversation. And it's not just the parent telling the children or the child something and the child's just silent.
1: Right. Exactly. A conversation. And that means, like you said, leaving space, because I think um, a parent might prepare what they want to say and then turn it into a speech and then they just talk for 3 minutes and it ends. But right. you want to make it where it's a conversation where you ask some questions like, "I don't know, what do you think about these Be things?" Curious. Or, "Have you thought of, yeah, what have you thought about this?" Or, "Did you hear about that in the news?" Or, "What are your thoughts?" Make sure you have some of those open-ended questions especially, not just yes no questions, because you want to create again the conversation is what we're talking about and this isn't a one conversation issue so it's not like okay we had one car ride we talked about it we never have to talk about it again you're opening it up so now that this can be a topic of future conversations as well which also hopefully takes off the pressure that you don't think I have to get everything taken care right. of in this conversation I have to have a perfect conversation with my kid where we i teach him or her everything and everything gets answered no it's probably not going to be that you should expect it not and also even let them know say you know, this is, I'm glad we talked about this and maybe we can talk about it some more later or also, you know, anytime you want to talk about this some more, please let me know, like, I'm sure there's more things or I might think of questions. So let them know this is not the end of this conversation. It's been opened up and now it's a topic that can be covered.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, another piece to this is explaining mental illness as you would a physical illness Mm -hmm. without blame or judgment. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we see a lot of people that have taken their lives and they look perfectly healthy and they seem happy. They have careers, they have families, they have cars, they have homes, they have all Mm -hmm. these things. So it appears as though their life is quote unquote perfect, but mental illness is very similar to physical illness. It's just invisible and it's not seen. And, you know, I found a quote online, that's really, I think, um, depicts this really well. And it's somebody saying, our thoughts and feelings come from our brain. And sometimes a person's brain can get very sick. The sickness can cause a person to feel very badly inside. It also makes a person's thoughts get all jumbled and mixed up. So sometimes they can't think clearly. Mm -hmm. Some people can't think of any other way of stopping the hurt they feel inside. They don't understand that they don't have to feel that way, that they can get help. But because mental illness is invisible, because you can't see it externally or physically, it often can get overlooked. And people are left shocked when there's a suicide because everything on the outside looked so perfect Mm. and well put together.
1: Yeah. I think And what you said, not blaming people for mental illness. Unfortunately, they do. You know, someone gets sick. Someone unfortunately gets cancer, breaks a bone, something— they get all sorts of sympathy and empathy and care but a lot of times with mental illness there's definitely a part where we kind of blame well, is are they just want, being depressed or wanting to be depressed is that kind of for like a choice seeking, yeah is it for or attention they or are they just a, oh there's sympathy. a negative person but we know there's real things that, you know I was just at my seminar yesterday I mentioned this because people sometimes say oh depression it's just in your head And some might say, yeah, it's just in your head. There's something going on in your brain that's a real thing. It's actually
0: in your brain. Right.
1: It's not just in your head like an idea or an imagination. It's actually something very real. Um, And so we have to recognize that this is a real illness, just like physical illnesses and should be treated with the same level of care, respect, understanding and compassion. And I hope not just when it comes to suicide, but in general, that families make it seem that way in their families that you you could have a bad mood sometimes you're going to be anxious you're going to have these feelings and you're not responsible in a negative way for feeling bad or for having a mental illness we're going to address it and talk about it just like we would if you had a cold or you know something more serious we're going to talk about it and you don't have to feel bad about any of your feelings mm-hmm. or, or the things that you're going through mm-hmm. unfortunately i think we have a long way to go yes because the stigma attached to mental illness is still very strong, but I think you're absolutely right to to make sure people know blame is not part of the conversation when it comes to their feelings or what they're going through.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the person already feels terrible. The last thing that they need is blame or judgment based on what they're going through. It's not in their control how they're feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I hope those are some few helpful tips as to where to at least get started again, every child is different. Every parent is different. So everybody can add their own little twist to it, Mm -hmm. whatever they think that will be a better, more positive experience in this discussion with their children. Yeah. Um,
1: and you know your child better. You know your relationship with right. them. So, yeah, there really isn't a script that we can send you that this is how you talk to your kid. These are some ideas to keep in mind. But you know your child. You know, maybe for you it'll start with starting with a joke and making it serious. Or maybe it's going to be about, I don't know what, maybe some video game they play or whatever it is. You know them better than we do, obviously. So see what's the right way to introduce it for for you with them. But think about some of these uh, issues that Dr. Galvin brought up.
0: Yeah, it's important to find a way to connect to create the connection, and then to continue the conversation. Right.
1: Now, uh, we just have a few minutes left, and what's also important to, to touch on for sure is another reason why people are afraid to bring this conversation up is because, like, well, what if there really is a suicidal threat or suicide is really... Uh, real, the Suicide Ideas Series, active, exactly. What do I do or what do we do then? So what do you have to say about that?
0: So there's several options if that's the case. Obviously, it's important to not panic. Um, That will just add more anxiety and overwhelming feelings. Mm -hmm. So emergency room is always an option, calling 911. Um, There's inpatient hospitals that have a whole treatment team. There's psychiatrists, there's different levels of psychologists and therapists and social workers, um, case managers that can all come together to come up with an appropriate treatment plan that can stabilize the person and then send them on to a lower level of care, which may be an outpatient treatment program, it may be a private practice setting. Um, This is even a conversation that can be had with your primary care doctor. Mm -hmm. Really opening up about this to anyone is helpful because that will lead to some direction for treatment. And that's the key here. It's really, really important that you head down a road of treatment in whichever... Way that's possible. Uh, meeting with a psychiatrist for a medication evaluation, psychotherapy, um, you know, in conjunction with medication is most effective. Um, there's always the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Yeah. So their phone number is 1 800 273 8255 800 273 They're available 24 hours, seven days a week, and they have not only people that are on the phone that can talk with you if you're feeling suicidal, but also several resources available. There's a crisis text line, so you text the word home to 741 741 and somebody will respond to that. Um, And there's also All sorts of chat services, online chat services that are available online that you could Google and find as well.
1: Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there are these resources available and I hope people take advantage of them. Thankfully, many people do and they get help and it literally saves lives. Um, But again, we have to be willing to have these difficult conversations. We know it's not easy to talk about suicide, and that's why we want to talk about it. And like Dr. Galvin said, even use the word suicide. We have to be real about it. We can't avoid it. It doesn't make it go away. And if your child brings up suicide in any way, shape, or form, please never ignore it make sure you have a conversation about it at minimum and if needed take action i know you want to make
0: yeah and along with that one final note if they do bring it up always take precaution store away any medications mm-hmm. firearms lethal means by you know don't right. take the chance limit the access so even if the thoughts come there's limited access that will give more time and more opportunity to save someone's absolutely life absolutely
1: right that's great practical advice and if you're feeling suicidal or have thoughts of suicide Know that you're not alone. Many people do feel those feelings, but there is help out there and feelings are temporary. They don't last forever. So even if you're feeling down, even if things are feeling hopeless, it doesn't mean you will always feel that way. So please ask for help. Help is there for you and parents be willing to talk to your kids about it because they're going to need your help. Dr. Jennifer Galvin thank you for joining me tonight.
0: Thank you as always for having me on the show.
1: Yes thank you so much and thank you to everyone listening out there and Amir here here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delaqui. Have a wonderful night.